Well, today I'm very excited because I'm going to be talking about the prosperous heart, which we're doing a series right now, Kathy Ann and I, on prosperity. And this is by Julia Cameron. She's the one who did The Artist Way, if you've heard about that, and The Morning Pages. And one thing that I love that she talks about in this book is she says that people think of prosperity as a fiscal bottom line. Like when I have X amount of money, I'll feel better. But the truth is that prosperity is a spiritual bottom line. So whenever I have X amount of faith, I will feel better. Prosperity is at its root a belief in a benevolent something, basically a benevolent, infinite, whatever it is, whatever you call it. I call it God. Some people call it source. Some people call it the universe. But it is here for our good. And it is here always sourcing us at all times. And as I build up my faith, I recognize and know that I'm able to surrender to prosperity and allow it to flow in my life in greater and greater ways. She says that we will be led in the direction of good no matter what amount of money we have at our disposal if we are tuned in to the faith of having a greater good that's available to us. Now, I have three specific points that I'm going to talk about today. They all come from her book. And the first point is that nothing impedes the flow of money like physical clutter. Now, this is something that I've learned repeatedly. I love taking prosperity classes. I don't know about you, but I'm really interested in living a prosperous life. And I'm also interested in teaching others on how to live a prosperous life. So in order to do that and to be authentic, I feel like I need to learn how to live a prosperous life to teach other people. And as I was teaching Prosperity Plus one time, I... Um, there's this one part in the class where Mary Morrissey talks about how we need to really declutter our lives, how we need to let go of things because nothing impacts the flow of money like physical clutter. And so I want to encourage you this week to declutter your home. You could just start small. But I was thinking about whenever I was taking this class that I used to have like six or seven bins of things that I lugged from house to house. So I met my wife, I had these six or seven bins, and after 10 years, we had literally lugged them to five different houses, and I had never opened them. And so Gina's like, hey, maybe you should go through those bins as part of your prosperity work. And uh, so I decided to. And I had this woman who was in the class, her name's Nancy, and she said, I would love to be there to be a support for you. And so she came to my house one day, and we went into my garage, and we spent literally like eight hours. And I went through, I, I used to be, oh gosh, I used to be a collector of things. I used to collect everything. And I had all of these like trophies and awards and ribbons and stuff like that. And I was like lugging them around from when I was in high school. Um, and so she, she witnessed me telling her about each award, each ribbon I'd gotten and as I threw it away. And she witnessed as I went through all my pictures, by the way, what I've noticed is that 
I didn't want to save any of the pictures that were of landscape. <laughs> I'm like, oh, look, it's a random mountain somewhere. Oh, and another mountain and an ocean. I only wanted to keep the pictures that were really special to me. And so I ended up going through all of these bins of stuff, and I just ended up with one little bin that I now am lugging around with me. But it's all my sentimental things. And um, I was so grateful. I felt so cleansed and and free after that because I had been carrying around this conscious energy with me. Uh, Rebecca Gold, who's in our community, she wrote a book called Detox Your Life. And I love this part. She says, physical possessions have energy. It's not vital life force energy, but it can affect your energy level, mood, and overall sense of well-being. For example, If you have a piece of artwork that someone gave you, but you had a falling out with that person, then maybe it's best not to have that constant reminder of that on your wall anymore. And she asks a series of questions, which I'm going to ask you. Do you have things at home that brighten your day and make you feel good? Or do you have things at your home that maybe make you feel bad? Do you have things that make you feel guilty, not good enough, lonely, resentful? Is there a guitar sitting around in a quarter just gathering dust? Is there something that you feel like you should play but you never actually do? Is there clothing that you want to fit into but don't? How long have you been holding on to it? Does it make you feel like you're not in the body you want to be in? Do you feel like a failure or you feel like you're not good enough or like there's something wrong with you? Do you have jewelry or some other gift from an ex and seeing it reminds you of something negative or stirs up feelings of heartbreak or failure or loneliness? If you do, maybe it's time to get rid of that stuff. Maybe it's time to let it go. I love Marie Kondo. I mean, I watched her whole Netflix, Netflix series. I read her book. And, and by the way, if you're going to watch her and you haven't yet, watch it like one week at a time. Like just, <laughs> she's just amazing because as soon as I finished watching an episode, I wanted to go clean things. It was really good. But the thing that she has is she asks, does it spark joy? When you pick up the thing, does it actually spark joy in you? And she does that with everything, from her kitchen utensils to her clothing. And so that way she's surrounded in her house with everything that makes her feel joyful. And I really love that. Julia Cameron says that clearing clutter is a bold move. So in order to do this, you tackle one room or a corner of a room or a drawer at a time. All you need to do is set a timer for 15 minutes. Stay focused on that one little part until it's done. So maybe you have 15 minutes and you're done and you want it, that's all you want to do that day, that's fine. Set a 15-minute timer for the next day. Or maybe you want to just do another 15 minutes. So that's an opportunity to just get consistent. Don't say, oh, I'm going to spend eight hours. I just do 15 minutes at a time. And I would encourage you to pull out three boxes when you start decluttering your house. Make a giveaway box, a trash bin, and a to-put-away box for things that you want to keep, but they're not in the place that they should be. And ask these three questions. Do I love it? Do I need it? 
And does it help me live the life I want to live? And another thing that you can do is consider getting rid of one thing for each new thing that you bring into the house. So if you ordered on Amazon your, you know, a new t-shirt, you're really excited about it, well, maybe you can remove a t-shirt from your house after you receive the t-shirt that you got. In the book, again, Julia Cameron says, as your physical environment becomes clearer, your mind becomes clearer as well. She says, to prosper is a verb, and it's about taking action. It's about the action that we take. So I'd love to invite you to consider, what, what can I declutter in my house? Or what can I declutter in my job? And maybe you could ask a friend or a neighbor if they need help decluttering, like Nancy did for me. Like if, you know, ever, there's a lot of people on this live stream right now. You know who you are. Go connect with each other and maybe support somebody else in decluttering or just do a little uh, connection, a uh, text connection. What are you doing today? Are you going to do that drawer and keep each other accountable? I also wonder if we can think about what do I need to declutter in my community? Or maybe it's time to get rid of some laws that no longer serve us. So just think about what are the things in every area, personally, collectively, globally, what do we need to clean out and declutter to make way for the new? So that's point number one. Point number two is find community that supports your greatest good. Uh, in the book, she, she talks about all of us having an inner circle of friends and family and people we interact with on a regular basis. And as we strive to become more prosperous and live a prosperous life, it's important for us to pay attention to the, the, the major players in our lives and evaluate if they're the right people to support us for our greatest good in our life. Are there people that you wish to be closer to or that you'd like to have more contact with? Are there people that you communicate with daily, but then you kind of feel drained at the end of that conversation? And so just really evaluating and, and, and making an intentional inner circle of people, people that are in the same vibration that you want to be in. Look for people, as Julia Cameron says, that are believing mirrors. They're people who reflect back to us our full potential. They, believing mirrors, they are encouraging. They see the best in us. They believe our projects will come to fruition. And they trust that it's God's divine will for us to be creative, for us to be solvent, and for us to be prosperous. They're our cheerleaders. And I have stated that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, but actually, you're the average of all of the people that surround you. So look around and make sure that you're in the right surroundings. It's really important to cultivate your inner circle so that it creates you blossoming and thriving. She shares a story in her book about living in Taos. And she had an accountant, Julia Cameron, had an accountant who figured that her prayer life was super strong and so he didn't have to file her taxes. 
And he, she also had a lawyer who billed her for services that they never rendered. She realized at this point in time when she was in Taos that she was really angry and she had let herself be taken advantage of because she didn't believe in her own prosperity enough. She didn't believe in her own infinite spirit that is filled with power and love and light within that showers outward. And so she stopped allowing other people to take advantage of her. She got really pissed off and she moved to New York. And when she was in New York, she put her intention out to find people who were there to lift her up and to build her up and to create a life that she wanted to live where she felt like she was thriving. And the way that she knew that she had done the right thing is she had a, um, a, a what do you call it, an assistant. She had an assistant named Emma. And she had assistants in Taos who basically packed up her office and mailed it over to her in New York. And when she was in New York, her assistant came to her and put this box on her desk. And she said, this box says divorce papers in it. And she opened the box, and in the box there was a stapler, a coloring book, a crayon, a broken tape recorder, and some loose change. And Emma was like, this is the tip of the iceberg. She said, this will never, ever, ever happen to you again. You do not deserve this. And she said, all of the boxes were completely like that. Everything was just thrown in ra random boxes. Nothing was labeled correctly. And she's like, you deserve better than this. And so Julia knew at that moment that she had done the right thing because she had taken a stand for herself, for her dignity, and this was a stand also for her prosperity. So I want you to stay open to connection, to finding community that supports your greatest good, and recognizing that divine intelligence can help you find that community. If you are lost right now, if you're re recognizing, I am not in the right place with the right people, <laughs> it's really easy to just ask for support and ask the universe for help. Say, this is what I want, this is what I'd love, would you kindly help me? And then look for signs. Look for ways that the universe is supporting you in that. One thing I really love in the book that she says is that the prosperous heart has reciprocal relationships. The give and take comes out even. The prosperous heart is generous, and friends are generous in return. The prosperous heart neither overgives or undergives, and it believes in fair play, and it offers reciprocity. So I invite you to open yourself up to living a prosperous heart life. And I'd love it if you would consider this community. Are you in a reciprocal relationship with this community here? Healthy relationships are a two-way street. I'm here, and we always love and support all of you out there. We give freely, and we also want to have an amazing relationship with you. We would love to have an experience of everybody prospering. And in order for us to continue to give, we also ask for your support.
And I know that that is up to everybody on their own individual level, but I just want to put that out there because this has been a really hard year for us. This has been really, I mean, it's been really hard for everybody. And in order to be a faith community, we take a stand for all of the people who are suffering. We have so many support groups and services. Please, if you need support, please check out our website and the support groups and services. We have so many practitioners and staff members who are working so much to uplift you, to surround you, to see the best in you, to know your highest good for you. And I also want to ask the same of you. If you would kindly know the highest good for us and support us because we need you. We need your support as well. And we're happy to give you all of our support because we love and appreciate who you are and we love and appreciate the God in you. So that's number two. That's my second point. And my point number three that is in the book is to be kind. It's a simple ask. I was in elementary school, and I went to William E. Farron Elementary School. And at William E. Farron, the principal had two rules. One was be kind, and the other one was work hard. And I really think that we do need to have some more kindness in the world right now. So the first thing I want you to do is to be kind to yourself. When you're kind to yourself, you model what it's like to be kind to others. I have a really good friend, her name is Audra, and Audra, if I'm on the phone with her, and I say something negative about myself, she's like, hey, don't you talk to my good friend like that. She doesn't deserve it. She deserves so much better. So she always, she pulls me out of that, oh, okay, okay. It's, it's interesting because so many people are afraid of being kind to themselves because they think, oh, that means I'm being selfish. But that's not the truth. When we're kind to ourselves, we're honoring the, 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 the God in us. We're honoring the fact that we're both spiritual and human and we make mistakes as humans. And that's okay because we're all human here together and we are making mistakes, but that's okay because we're fully loved by the infinite universe. So I'd love it if you would be kind to each other. To see the divine spark in yourself and in every person you meet. We are not here by accident. We have spiritual business with one another. We are here to uplift each other. I want to know, I do know, that there's enough good for all. And I want other people to know that there's enough good for them as well. Brene Brown says, spirituality is recognizing and celebrating that we're all inextricably connected to each other by a power greater than all of us and that our connection to that power and to one another is grounded in love and compassion. Mother Teresa says, if we have no peace, it's because we've forgotten that we belong to each other. So I do want to talk about, I love, I, by the way, I love Brene Brown. And, and she has this book, Braving the Wilderness. I've also read all her books. <laughs> She's <laughs> a good one. But she talks about dehumanization. And this is a really key point. I think this is super important for all of us to remember right now because the election is heating up. And I've noticed that dehumanization is happening. 
And it's not okay. <laughs> she talks about in her book uh, from Michelle Maize, I can't say her last name, M-A-I-E-S-E. She's the chair of the philosophy department at Emmanuel College. She defines dehumanization as the physical process of demonizing the enemy, making them seem less than human, and hence not worthy of humane treatment. And how does that happen? So she explains that most of us believe that people's basic human rights should not be violated. So crimes like murder, rape, and torture are wrong. And, but successful dehumanizing creates moral exclusion. Groups are targeted based on their identity, their gender, their ideology, their skin color, their ethnicity, their religion, their age, and they're depicted as less than or criminal, or even evil. And then that targeted group falls out of the scope of what is naturally protected by our moral code. And this moral exclusion and dehumanization is at its core. So this is how it starts. Dehumanization starts with language, and then it's followed by images. And you can see this in history. So in the, in the, in the Holocaust, the, the Nazis described the Jews as undermenschen, so basically subhuman. They called the Jews rats. They depicted them as disease-carrying rodents. And everything from military pamphlets to children's books. And... So, so it just started, it started with language, it started with what people were saying to each other, and then it followed with images. The Hutus in the Rwanda genocide called the Tutsis cockroaches. And indigenous people are often referred to as savages. So in this, I want all of you to be very attentive to being kind to one another. It is okay that we disagree. It is okay that we have different points of view. But when anybody calls an immigrant an animal, we should get chills down our spine. When anybody calls the President of the United States a pig, we should reject our language regardless of our politics. And if you're offended or hurt, this is what Brene Brown brought up, which I think is such a great point. If you're offended or hurt when you hear Hillary Clinton or Maxine Waters called the B word a whore or the C word, then you should be equally offended and hurt if you hear those same words described for Ivanka Trump, Kellyanne Conway, or Theresa May. We should immediately wonder if anybody calls somebody else an animal or an alien, is that an attempt to reduce somebody's humanity? And is that a way that we're denying them the basic human rights of being dignified? So there is a line, and Brene Brown says that that line is etched in dignity. And so I want to encourage you to be kind to one another, to be a dignified person, to not tolerate dehumanization from anybody. It is not okay. And if you're perpetuating it, I would encourage you to stop it now. Because this world and this life needs more people to be kind to each other, not less. 
And if you're really interested in creating a better world, then one of the best ways to do it is by looking at your own behavior and seeing how you can stand in and be an example of possibility for others. So I want to encourage you to do those three things this week. I want to encourage you to declutter your life because nothing impedes the flow of money like physical clutter. The second thing is I want you to find some community that supports your greatest good. Reach out for help, ask for support, and also be the kind of person that reciprocates that same. And the third thing I'd love for you to do is to be kind this week. And if you do those three things, I can guarantee you, you will experience more prosperity, greater love, and more joy in your life. And who doesn't want more of that? Because I certainly do. So let us pray together right now, knowing that there is only one. One spirit, one source, one life, one love. That this one spirit, this source, this light, this love adores each and every one of us. Just like a newborn baby child, that it supports and adores us. And any mistakes that we make, it loves us no matter what. And so I forgive myself for many mistakes that I have made. And I step into the possibility of being the kind of person I want to see and attract in my life. As I know this for myself, I know this for each and every person who's out there watching, that every single person reflects the kind of life that they want modeled for other people, that they are thriving wherever they're at. And so I surrender any attachments to the past, to the shore, and I step into a life of freedom and prosperity and alignment and love, allowing myself to be completely free of clutter, opening to great ease and flow in my life, allowing myself to be surrounded by people who uplift me just as I uplift them. I'm so grateful to know that I am surrounded by wise, ascending spiritual master teachers who support me and love me and do the same just as I do to them. That no matter what, I am here to be a magnet of possibility. And I know that for every single person who is watching, everybody who hears these words is awakened to their greatest good right here and right now. And this greatest good is about kindness, it is about love, it's about embodying what it means to be human, even in our differences. I uplift and I celebrate and I see the God in each and every person I meet today. And for that, I am so grateful. The God in me acknowledges and sees the God in you. And so I release this prayer knowing that it is already done, that there is a supreme infinite power and source that is allowing me to be uplifted in my life. I welcome it, I claim it, I embody it, I am it, and so it is.